I'm Matt Garrow-Fisher and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. On this episode, I talk to the career catalyst, Steve Preston. Steve's worked in the career transition field for many years. He's an acclaimed author, a motivational speaker, and has been endorsed by personal development guru, Brian Tracy, for his career change work. I've read his book, Winning Through Career Change, Six Steps to Navigate Your Way to a Brighter Future, and it's a super useful resource packed with practical exercises. He's also written some other amazing books, Winning Through Redundancy and Portfolio Careers, How to Work for Passion, Pleasure and Profit. In this interview, I ask Steve questions around how to find passion, purpose and balance in your career. And Steve shares his own personal career change experience, as well as many stories from his clients on overcoming some career change challenges. So if you're going through career change or expecting to, this has seriously practical tips you can use today. The full show notes and videos of other interviews are available at burnfromwithin.com forward slash interviews. So listen all the way through and enjoy. Looking at your history, you used to be in the travel industry in the UK in various management roles and sales operations. And then you made a, a shift in your own career. And now, obviously, you're a career coach. If you look back at when you first changed career, what would you say you've learned organically in that process before you actually started to make this profession? There's a couple of key things. I mean, firstly, without a shadow of doubt, the power of personal development. Before I was in my transition period, I hadn't really got into personal development in a big way. But in my transition period, I realized that you need to do something different. In most people's careers or their business life, they focus on their professional development rather than the personal development. And in my mind, or my take is that your personal development is basically helping you to become the best person you can be. I started getting interested in, in Brian Tracy in particular. I started to read his books, listen to his audio books and so on, and they became very inspirational for me. And you start to realise that there is another way. The other thing I realised is that uh, to go through any sort of successful change or transition, you really do need a very positive support network. and. Again, it's different for the different scenarios. I mean, people who go through redundancy, they clearly need that for the reason to pick them up again and bounce back, which for some people is very challenging. But equally, going through a career change, you know, of your own choice, you know, as I showcase in the book, it is an emotional roller coaster ride. You know, there's ups, there's downs, there's twists and turns, and you know, things don't necessarily happen in the way you want. So 
developing a support network of positive like-minded people is very important and of course gaining the professional support of a career coach that can make the difference i mean it's often the difference that makes the difference what would you say are some of the biggest challenges your clients face in career transition when they come to you asking for advice support and and to, to take them through that journey what are the biggest challenges you've seen in the industry that they face well, probably the first thing, Matt, everybody has skills and attributes that they've gained throughout their career and their life, which are going to help them to be able to change career. But it's all about belief and confidence to make it happen. So that's the first key part of it. And so many people, they have fears, fear of failure, fear of not earning enough, fear of Will it work? Well, I suppose that's failure. I mean, there's even people have fear of success. I actually had fear of success, which sounds bizarre, Matt. I kept thinking, what happens if what I do suddenly becomes so massively big, I can't control it, and it, and it you know, can runs completely out of control? When I look back on that, I think that's what a nice problem to have. So there are so many different fears, but that ultimate fear of taking the leap of faith you know moving from where I am now to where I want to be or in a lot of cases most people don't know where they want to be at all and that's the big question all they know is they are stuck that's one of the words that comes up all the time that I'm stuck you say well what do you mean by that well I'm frustrated I'm bored I'm not really making any progress in my career anymore I feel I'm just um, drifting, or some people, even worse, they feel like they're vegetating. So those are obviously key things. And it's the belief that they can move, they can make that shift. And so many people who contact me initially, they think, well, yeah, I know I want to do it, or I know something's wrong, but I don't know necessarily what is wrong. All I know is I need to change, but that's really scary. So how do I make that change? And that's why, you know, people need a process because you start with a blank sheet of paper like this and it's not very encouraging for people, is it? I think, well, okay, so what happens next? And that's something I found very early on doing this work, Matt, is that even if it's a loose framework if people can measure their progress so they can start to see things are happening then that helps them build their confidence and their self-belief and then they automatically go into overdrive it's all about building momentum and they go into overdrive and things start to happen so that's why i developed my six-step career navigation cycle process that because i did a lot of i'm a very curious person so I, I got to thinking, why is it that some people seem to make these seamless transitions, regardless of what the reason is, whether it's redundancy, whether they're just fed up and they want to change, or even if they just want to move up the career ladder, so to speak, although I don't necessarily believe that exists anymore in the way it used to, but moving up to a more senior role, shall we say. And the more I looked into it, the more I researched it, Matt, I, I, what I found was that um, there are definitely some common themes. 
and I started mapping against my journey, my, many of my clients I'd been working with by that time, and also other people I knew generally. And I found this sort of consistent, yeah, a number of consistent aspects, if you like, that always emerged from somebody who'd been successful in transitioning for whatever the reason was. So that's why I developed the six-step process. I mean, it's simple in outline, as you know, Matt, but obviously underneath each step there sits a lot of work, but they all link. So, for instance, step one, as you know, it's let go and look forward. And I found what what was happening is um, that it doesn't matter why people wanted to transition, either if it was enforced or even if it was of their choice, you know, it is scary and everyone's got baggage to let go of. And I I don't know about you, but I found some most bizarre reasons why people said, well, I I love to change, but I'm afraid that if if I leave my job, I'm going to leave my friends behind. I mean, I must have heard that dozens of times, Matt, and I think, well, you can see them outside of work, you know. I'm sure you do that already. It, it's, it, it's this sort of closed, fixed mindset. I mean, I suppose that's another aspect of, of career change, isn't it? Or any change. It's fixed mindset versus what's called growth mindset. And it's having this growth mindset that says, yeah, what is out there is great. And I'm going to change my perspective and take all the positive actions to make it happen, rather than almost finding reasons why not to. And mindset is undoubtedly the key to any successful change. You know, I've proven that time and time again. So in terms of step one, letting go and look forward, say all sorts of things. But unless you do that, and unless you let go of all the stuff that's holding you back, how can you ever move forward? I mean, it might that step might carry on while you're going through other stages, but ultimately in order to make a successful transition, you would have had to fully let go. And for many people, that leap of faith is really, really scary, which is why they find reason why not to. I mean, I've worked with loads of people over the years, Matt, who've gone all the way around the cycle they've got to the last point and you think wow fantastic ready to go and then they retreat back into their comfort zone and you say well why have you done all this work why have you invested in yourself all this time effort and energy and you're ready to make that leap of faith and now you're retreating back to what you were looking to get away from and it's it's back to the fear angle again isn't it So fear, unfortunately, is uh, behind so much of the reason why why people struggle. And also fear is a big factor, and also belief as well. I think a lot of people, people that I've been speaking to, they don't believe that there is anything that they can do out there, and they don't believe that they have a choice. And often when, when people are stuck, in inverted commas, in a career, and they've been there for... 5, 10, 15, 20 years plus, they feel that they can't do anything else because that's what they've invested all their time in. They've built up a salary and they feel they're going to throw that all away. How would you change someone's belief that actually 
there are greater things out there and it's worthwhile pursuing them. I'll just add to that that um, it's interesting that another angle of that, which I've found with many clients over the years, is, is this guilt, this huge guilt. You know, I spent years training and developing myself and gaining lots of professional qualifications and now I'm going to chuck it all away. And that doesn't feel right, you know, and they feel really guilty about, about doing that. So, again, it's, it's the mindset shift. Well, if that's making you unhappy, <laughs> what's the point in carrying on? Because things are only going to get worse. So one of the key things is working through that scenario to, to help people to understand what happens if you don't change. And a number of years ago, I used to run some evening workshops and we used to do some of this stuff. That was one of the first questions. What happens if you don't change? And we'd end up with a flip chart full of, you know, things that people in the group had come up with. And the usual things were frustration, deterioration in health, impact on relationships and I suppose the biggest one of all to summarise all that, Matt, is just your whole, the impact on your whole outlook on life. Life becomes very bleak. And you're absolutely right. People get in this, this awful rut of, well, I don't believe I can do anything else. Uh, and uh, There's certain professions where it's more prevalent, I think, Matt, finance in particular. And I remember having a bizarre conversation many years ago with a potential client. And they said, well, I, I've only ever been in finance. I don't know anything else. They were like a financial controller or something in a fairly large company. And it was a very fixed mindset. And I said, yeah, but in order to achieve what you've done and got to that level, you must have some great skills and attributes. And once you start fleshing those out you're really teasing them out all of a sudden then you can start to realize you've got a huge amount to offer and of course that's in in my six-step process that's step three which is I, I call the heart of the process which is establishing your true marketability and people will say to me well, what does that mean steve you know they understand marketability but my take is that Transferable skills are obviously important. And a lot of uh, my experience is that a lot of career consultancies, and especially in the outplacement world, that's what they focus on. They just focus on transferable skills. So you were this, you got these skills, in which case you can either do more of the same, or if you use those skills, then maybe you can become a that. Yeah, but there's much more to it than that, you know, you and I and everybody, we've all got loads of skills, we've got loads of attributes, we've got attitudinal aspects that are really important about us. We've got knowledge gained not just in work but in life. We've all achieved stuff, so it's about achievements, about strengths, and of course it's about connections as well. So what I call your complete package. But when you start to look at that, Matt, then all of a sudden, people's perspective starts to change because they suddenly think wow is that really me I've got all these skills and attributes in which case maybe I can do something different and that is the the key 
part of the process and and you know in my six-step process as you know Matt it's split into two halves and I'll just share briefly how that came about when I was writing the first book I, I, I engaged a writer's coach and having never written a book before I needed somebody to help put structure around it and and so on anyway this uh, coach she was very big into personal development I didn't I didn't know it at the time and she said to me Steve, I love your six-step process. I, I totally get it. And it really, you know, I can see how it would work for people. However, did you realize it's in two halves? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, the first three steps, so let go, look forward, second step, reevaluate, third step, establish your true marketability. She said, that's all self-awareness stuff. That's all the inner self stuff that people rarely do you know, the personal development stuff as we're talking about that. And she said, what most people do, they would go straight to step four, which is exploring opportunities. And then we start to think about, I'll fire my CV out here, there and everywhere and expecting, you know, everything to suddenly happen for them. But what they haven't done, and, and this is a long-winded answer to probably a number of your questions all rolled into one, what they haven't done is to become self-aware and my experience Matt you know is that most people have very little understanding of who they are and what they have to offer and I would argue it's actually worse the higher up the chain you go you know I do a lot of work with executives and top executives and obviously some very talented and powerful people but you get them into a situation where you're doing this sort of work and, and challenging them about their skills and attributes. And, you know, that they usually are all at sea. So this self-awareness bit, the first half of the cycle, unlocks people's potential. And as far as I'm concerned, unlocking people's potential is half the battle with making a successful transition. Completely. I think, you know, being self-aware is, is a huge part of, of change. If you know who you are and what you want in life, then you know where you want to get to. Uh, and so that's part of the plan, I would say, in, in transition. But also what you have to offer, because most mm. people are very poor at selling themselves. And that's the other thing. That's another fear, of course. How do I know I'm going to be able to put myself across in the right way if it's another job in an interview, when I'm doing something completely different, will people take me seriously? Yeah, I think that's a big fear because when people have built up skills over a number of years, they feel that, as you said, they're throwing it away. They're wasting it by going into a new career. But actually, they can fully use those skills and build on them rather than throw them away. And I think a lot of people Absolutely. don't realise that. Yeah, and certainly my experience from years of having done this work, Matt, is that the hidden talents are usually not in what people have done in their in their work. It's what they've done outside of their work. And it's remarkable how people just ignore that completely. And, you know, some of the case studies you've read in the book, I mean, there's the, the, the one that stands out and so many people mentioned to me is, is the guy Mo, who worked for a fire protection company in the UK. And it was only one company who did that sort of work and he, he lost his job through redundancy and he's thinking well that's it that's the end and 
you know, when I started digging deep and challenging him and then asking him about and really fleshing out skills and attributes, so then and asking him, well, well, what do you do outside of work? And he said, well, I don't really do much. And I said, well, have you got any interests, hobbies? <laughs> and then he came out with this unbelievable story about how he'd refurbished or what what was really project managed the refurbishment of his local mosque. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It's one of the most amazing stories I've ever had. And all of a sudden, all these skills and attributes are being written down left, right and centre. And of course, the obvious one was project management. And I remember being, you know, there's a group of about 20 people in this, in this um, workshop and everyone's sitting there with their mouth open thinking, oh my God, this guy's unbelievable. Yet he does not see it himself. And somebody piped up and said, have you thought about doing project management? And he said, well, I've never done it. I wouldn't know where to start. And of course, everybody erupted into laughter and said, you've just given the most fantastic example of successful project management. Can you not see that? And then mindset shift from that. He couldn't see it. Fix, fix mindset all of a sudden was suddenly shifted into a, a growth mindset. And then all of a sudden his mind's racing. He's coming up with all these thoughts. Oh, my wife, you know, she likes interior design. Maybe we can do some property development and blah, blah, blah. And, and that's what he set off to do. It was fantastic, but could not see it at all at the outset. It's amazing when we're on our own and we don't, we're just having our own perspective. The, the little choice we think is available, but when we consult other people, friends, colleagues, particularly coaches, where, where you get that focused time and expertise to do yeah. that, that treasured opportunity to do that, suddenly there's, there's choice. Well, it's back to people who are not being able to see past their job title. Yeah. So one of the things that, that I'm really interested in is, is people finding more purpose in their work. And, you know, there's a lot of executives out there that have climbed up the ladder. They've increased their salary and, you know, they bought the house, et cetera. And, and then but they, they're, they're unfulfilled and they, they just don't like their job. And they're getting good money, but it's not making them happy what would you say to those people who you know just want to find more meaning in their work and more purpose how do they go about that yeah and of course that comes back to these this fantastic term which one of my clients shared with me the velvet rut and I, i'd never come across that before but when they explained it um it all made sense because you know you know this was a city trader big salary, big package, big bonuses, appeared to be the epitome of success. Yet they were so desperately unhappy. They had no meaning, no purpose, nothing like that. But of course, it's all about keeping up with the Joneses. And you, you get sucked into that awful peer pressure, being like everybody else, and or even being better than everybody else with all the materialistic things, the car, the house, and uh, and so on. So you have to suddenly break all that down. This is back to step two of the process. You know, reevaluate. And here we're talking about what's important to you in your career and life, and why, because they are inextricably linked. And 
I get very frustrated when people say to me, well, no, my career is there, my life's there, and never the twain shall meet. It might have been the case in previous generations, you know, people, and my father, prime example, he was an industrial photographer, but in general, it was a means to an end. People were going to work to earn money to pay for the family and have all the things they wanted. But that's shifted nowadays. So it's now about finding out what's important to you in your career and life and why, as I mentioned, Matt, but that's a lot of that's about your values. Yeah. And I do, you know, there's exercise in the book there, but that's just a snapshot of a, what I, I do with cue cards. And I've also got an electronic version of it. But basically, it's an in-depth exercise to, to really drill down to what, what are the must-haves in your career and life. But this is motivators, drivers. What are the things that get you out of bed each day? And once people understand those, then all of a sudden they got the foundation to build from. Because unless you are being true to your values, how can you be your authentic self and how can you find a fulfilling job or career? And it's remarkable. I mean, I've done this exercise hundreds and hundreds of times. It's remarkable what comes out. And invariably, most people's top values are very, very rarely anything that's materialistic. Even if there is something financial in there, it's very often earning enough as opposed to earning high reward. People are suddenly thinking, well, hang on a minute. If I can earn enough to live the life I want in the way I want, making the choices I want, then, you know, actually that's, that, that's great. I don't have to be earning mega bucks in order to do that. So this uh, values exercise and evaluation, absolutely fundamental. And then things like legacy. I remember doing this one Sunday morning after a, a 50th birthday party over, over breakfast. I was suddenly put on the spot by a, a colleague who wanted me to, to help her husband he was having a bit of a dilemma in terms of what he was going to do next in, the, in his career. He had various options. He wasn't going to change career stuff, but as such, but, but he had different options within his career, which might take a slightly different direction to, to where he was. Similar roles, but, but with different, different meaning, arguably. And I think, oh my goodness me, how do I answer? The, you know, he said, well, I've got A, B and C, basically which one do you think I should go for? And I suddenly thought, well, what do you want out of this? What, what is the purpose? What do you want to gain from, you know, this next job? What's the meaning of this next job for you? And so I, I suddenly blurted out, well, what do you want your legacy to be? And it was unbelievable, Matt. There was this absolutely stunned silence. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, think about these three opportunities. What do you want your legacy to be? Because whatever you want your legacy to be will actually determine which of these three roles you should go for, because that's going to lead you there. And he said, oh, my God, Steve, this is incredible, because put that way, there's only one choice.
And I thought, wow. So I've used that quite often in coaching when people can't see the wood for the trees. And especially if they are very, very focused on much more material things than, you know, purpose and meaning and so on, you can, you can bring them, you can ground them, if you like, by using that legacy example, if you like, and being authentic to yourself. I mean, why? There's so many, I'm sure you've met loads of people, we all have, and I've worked with clients who, who basically have been, their whole career has been a lie to themselves. They're just acting out something they're not. And it's interesting when you do um, various types of personality profiling, I, I use the DISC personality profiling. I like it because it's very simple, very transparent. And there's one aspect of it which shows very clearly by use of graphs where there's a, a complete anomaly between what people are and or what people think they are in the workplace and what they really are. And you think, well, hang on a minute. No wonder you're unhappy because you're not being your authentic self. So finding purpose through values and, and legacy exercises and, and, and things like that, it, it, to my mind, it is absolutely fundamental because how are you going to find fulfilling work if you are just doing more of the same stuff, which is making you unhappy? I mean, wow, what powerful question to ask. What, what do you want your legacy to be? Uh, and I suspect most people haven't thought of that question. And certainly most people haven't used that question to make decisions on, on what they want to do in life. I think yeah. a, lot, a lot of people have a short-term view. It's like, oh, uh, oh that job opportunity is going to get me this salary raise or... Yeah. This career is going to help me, you know, with a step up in, in prestige and position. But yeah. if they think about what my leg, what do I want my legacy to be, the, the path could be extremely different. But as you said, it can lead to true authenticity. If you take my situation, Matt, when I was writing, you know, my, well, all of my books, but certainly the first book, you know, I was thinking, and it's always a key question for any author is, well, why am I writing this? And who am I writing it for? You know, and when you start looking at your why, because the why is always uh, the driver. It's always the call to action. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm writing this book and also winning through career change because I want to make a difference to people's lives. I'm not writing this because I'm expecting to be like J.K. Rowling and earn... And, millions of pounds from my books, because that's not going to happen. I'm writing it because I want to help to transform people's thinking and their careers and lives. And I realised then, well, that's the legacy. That's my legacy. I want to be known as the person who, 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 who does that, which is how the career catalyst strapline came around, because it was suggested to me by a publicist uh, who I met at the time, was introduced to an amazing lady. She said, I need a personal brand as opposed to my company brand. You know, as an author, it's, you know, you need to differentiate yourself from your company. And of course that made sense. And we were trying to think of some sort of strap line or tagline, whatever uh, word you prefer. And we looked at all the different things. 
And I, I, I wanted it to be something that also could be trademarked, so it'd be unique, unique to me. And we looked at various things like career architect, career doctor, and we found other people had those. And what I did in the end, I went, I went out to a number of my clients and, and ones I really felt I had made a massive difference to. And I asked them, I said, how would you describe what I, would, what I do? And it was incredible. It was totally consistent. They all said, well, thinking about it, you're a catalyst. And I said, what do you mean? They said, well, you're a catalyst for change, transition, progression, whatever. I thought, wow, career catalyst. And, and everybody loved it. And, I, and it was up for, for, you know, to be trademarked. So that's how that came about. And I now obviously use that as my personal brand. And that's focusing on my legacy, if you like. I, I, you know, I strive to be the catalyst for people's successful transitions to make a difference to their lives. It's so, so interesting that you, you talk about legacy in that way. And actually the driver of, of your book, you know, you talked about why am I writing this and who am I writing it for? And I, I, I get I'm very similar. I've got a publishing coach, a book coach as well. And one of the first things they asked me to do was write out my manifesto. They called it a manifesto. And it, <laughs> it's actually, it's actually, they asked the question, what revolution are you making in the world? Or what difference, basically, what difference are you making in the world? Which is essentially, what is your legacy? What are you doing this for? Why are you doing this? And when you, and I hadn't thought about it before that specifically in writing this book and doing this project and these interviews, but it changes everything when you when you get that view. It's you, you focus less on the short term and more on serving people, yes. making real value and a difference. And I just think that's an incredible. However you phrase it, whether it's what revolution you're starting or what legacy you want to create, I think more people in this world should ask themselves that question because it's just. I mean, it's very transformational. I would say it is, and thank you. I think more people would then be focused on the really important things in life shall we say as opposed to the materialistic things definitely that's my take (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to ask about passion and you know some people they feel that their work that there's just no passion in their day it might not just be work it might be their lifestyle as well how do people reignite the passion in their life a lot of people are you know have it when they're kids you know when they're playing at school, etc., and then they lose it in careers. How can, yeah. get, how can people get that back? And just looking at your T-shirt, as I asked you that, your T-shirt says, do what you love. How can you find love in what you do? Well, that's a very big question, Matt, which is why I wrote my third book, <laughs> Full Planet <laughs> Careers, Now to Work for Passion, Pleasure and Profit, or the, the three Ps, as I call them. They're conflicting views around this Matt some people will say you can't work for passion and you shouldn't work for passion and you know and and that's a whole raft of people including some you know psychologists and and so on much bigger brains than mine I'm sorry but I don't agree with that at all I'm working for my passion most of my clients who I coach end up working for their passions again it's about that mindset shift and and digging deep i mean when i thought back 
in my career, in my senior management career, I was an exception to the rule in most of um, the organisations I worked because my, my approach was very much developmental. I was always looking to nurture and develop people and maximise their potential. It's interesting in those days, I used to talk about maximising people's potential and never, till I got into coaching and personal development, I hadn't really thought about unlocking people's potential, but basically you have to unlock it first to, to maximise it or, or to fulfil the potential. And so I, I've always been very passionate about that. I've always thought that's the best approach to help people become more successful. And so when I went through my transition, and I'm telling this story because it'll sort of come full circle, but I was struggling to find my passions. And the way it happened for me is that I ended up on a program for our out-of-work professionals and executives, which I really felt in tune with. It was really good, but it, it, it ignited, it ignited real passions for me in terms of personal development and career development in ways that I'd, I'd never known before. So again, that course was the catalyst for me. And then at the end of the program, I fed back to the company who's running it, the MD of the company, and they were so impressed with my feedback that they asked me to get involved with running. I, I decided to set up my business then. I didn't really know what I was going to be doing, but I had a vague idea. And they asked me to go back to the next course and explain why I'd chosen to do that. And one thing led to another. I then ended up completely rewriting the whole Korean personal development program for them and becoming their lead trainer and career coach and mentoring others to do the same. All the while I'm doing that, it's like, this is unbelievable. It, the passion was all consuming. So... I suppose that a lot of people have passions they don't actually realise. I mean, there are obvious things like, you know, I mean, I love tennis. So I'm very passionate about tennis. But in, in their working lives, you have to dig. And there are things that act as catalysts to flesh it out. I mean, in the book, I, I have an exercise and I, I do it in my coaching with clients, which I call it the self-awareness matrix. And it is a, an exercise to, to really dig deep and flesh out what attracts, inspires and interests people. And there's four different quadrants and, and what they enjoy most, what they're best at and so on. And the more you drill down, the more all of a sudden you start to get new information which people hadn't thought about. And I do that by doing what I call the so what test. It's all very well to say, well, I'm passionate about tennis. Well, so what? What does that mean? Why am I passionate about tennis? And when you start drilling down, you'll find the underlying reasons or motivators why people are passionate about something. And then all of a sudden, you've got this new picture and people suddenly think, oh, my God. Yeah, what really passionate about, it might be helping others, making a difference to people's lives, a whole raft of things, but they've never thought about it in that way. It's the classic reframe. And yeah, so many people have passions which they're, they're almost 
hidden. But equally, I've, I've, I've worked with loads of people over the years, Matt. It never ceases to amaze me where they say, so what do you do outside of work? What do you really enjoy doing? And I remember this, uh, there's one IT guy in particular years ago, and he said, oh, I, I do a lot of voluntary work. I said, all right, that's, that's fantastic. What do you do? And he explained uh, some of the stuff he was doing. And he was going through a redundancy process and he was really down on himself. And I said, well, look, I know you do this voluntary work, but you're, you know, what's the reason you do it? And he said, well, I'm really passionate about it. I, I want to give the opportunity to other people to do whatever it was he was doing. And I said, well, look, that's great, but could you not do that in some sort of employed guise or as a consultant? Uh, self-employed you're still using the same skills you're still dealing with the same people but the difference is you'd be earning money from it oh I couldn't possibly do that because then I wouldn't enjoy it anymore and I thought that is a classic limiting belief isn't it <laughs> and I've heard that so many times I couldn't do that because I won't enjoy it anymore well how do you know that what if you did enjoy it still? Wouldn't that be great? Because you're still enjoying it, you're passionate about it, and hey, what? You're getting paid for doing what you love. Wouldn't that just be fantastic? So that's the sort of approach that I take with people, but it is quite challenging to get some of that stuff up. And yes, you know, back to fears and beliefs and so on, there are so many people who have a fear or or belief, whatever, whichever way you look at it, that they will never find work they are passionate about, or work they will that will they will make them fulfilled. Absolute nonsense. You just have to dig around and flesh all this stuff out. It it is, I would say, extremely difficult to find that out on your own. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, that's one of the benefits. I say working with a, a career coach that they can take you to a place that you can't get to on your own. For sure, yeah. And trying things out is a big thing. You know, you have an yes. inkling. Um, a lot of the other people I've interviewed, they've, they've had an inkling, like a, an idea of what they might want to try out. And then, you know, they might try out that out at weekends. They might do volunteering, for example, weekends at a school. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point, Matt, because that's step four of the my six-step process, exploring opportunities. A lot of that is about research. It's about dipping a toe in the water, as you say, trying things out. Great example of that, uh, a client a number of years ago, he, he, he uh, suddenly had this idea that he might like to run a coffee shop. And I'm thinking, well, great, but, you know, it was at the start of the coffee shop revolution. I'm thinking, well... The ten a penny, there's so much competition, you know, you can only do this if you're passionate about it because it's going to be extremely difficult to make money out of it and compete with the big boys and, and so on. And I, I, I didn't want to be negative about it because that's not my nature. But anyway, what he did, he had a, he was a cousin who was running a, a cafe, but, but sort of coffee shop come cafe. And he thought, well, I'll spend a day or a weekend with him and just shadow him and see what happens and see what I make of it. And if I still like the idea, then I'll explore it further. Anyway, he 
when I saw him next, he said, I knew within literally a couple of hours this, this was not for me. He said, you know, I could see it was extremely challenging physically because you're on your feet a lot, but also it was just wrong for his type of personality. It was wrong for so many reasons. And I said, well, that's great because you've ruled something out. You now know that's not right for you, so you can, you know, move on and look at something different. And it taught him, you know, it taught him a lesson. It's great to work through ideas. It doesn't matter if you're ruling stuff out. In fact, for some people, they work better by ruling stuff out than ruling stuff in. You know, everyone's different. It's progress. If you've tried something and it's not working, you're moving forward in terms of your goal yeah. to get to where you want to get to, which is to do something you love. And the only That's way right. you're going to know what you love is to, to start trying and be prepared. To and taking the learning from the yeah. things that don't work out. You know, the learning he took from that example were that it was much too physical and started early in the morning. He realised, well, actually, I'm not an early morning person. It was wrong on so many counts. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in this whole idea of what do you do outside of work? And there's so many common threads. People just don't think about that when they're looking to change the career. But actually, it's huge. In the book, I talk about, I use this term, motivated abilities. Everyone has a different take on that, Matt. You know, natural talents. Some people call it your natural DNA or calling. Depends how spiritual you are, maybe. But there is absolutely no doubt that when you start to explore when you've been at your best in your life, not not just your career, but uh, things you've done outside of work, it's remarkable how these common themes emerge and they're a mixture of skills and, and attributes. And when you hone in on them, you think, well, yeah. And you say to people, well, how would you feel if you weren't using these skills or these attributes? And they say, well, I, I'd feel like I have a limb missing. Some part of me was missing. So, well, that's telling you a message. You need to be in a career or a job or doing work that involves these skills and these attributes. Because if you don't, you're never going to be fulfilled. Yeah, I mean, I, I recognise it myself. I've, I've started an e-commerce business. I went into property development after I left my career in, in, in conferences. And I, I mean, I realised over time, I love being with people. I love working with people. I love working in teams. I love making a difference to people's lives. And going into an online world or a remote world is, <laughs> it really took its toll on my, on my health and my mental health, actually. I found it very, very hard to, to do. And I didn't realise that until I tried these new parts. And so a lot, yeah, again, a lot of it is to do with trying things out and seeing what works but you have to again it's about being authentic yes you have to be true to yourself but you, you just uh, triggered a, a light bulb moment uh and that one a hilarious um situation happened years ago i was speaking at a major conference in birmingham and it was a medical conference and I, I was talking about career transition and a lot of this stuff uh, I, i'd finished speaking and i was sort of heading out and there's some of these cute people they wanted to talk to me. I thought, wow, this is good. Uh, and anyway, one of them was uh, a doctor. And he said to me, uh, Steve, I, I loved you. I loved your seminar. It's great. 
related to all of it. However, back to fixed uh, mindset again, he said, I, I've only ever been a, a doctor, you know, I'm a GP, I don't know anything else. So how could I possibly do anything different? And again, I thought, talk about being put on the spot, you know, and I got a queue of people there who wanted to talk to me. So I suddenly thought on my feet and I said, okay, one question. I'll get, I, I just give it one question and then I got to, you know, move on to the next person. He said, what's that? And I said, do you enjoy working with people? And I virtually not finished getting the words out. He said, oh my God, I hate people and he suddenly realized what he said and i said well there's a start point for you then <laughs> and he was quite shocked the way he suddenly blurted it out you know there's a guy who's working with people every day of his life doesn't like people at all likes medicine obviously and and but doesn't like people and it's amazing that people don't realize that in entire careers until they're questioned, until they're challenged. Yeah. Another great value of having a coach of seeing that blind side of just highlighting that. It's like, whoa, hang on. Have you considered yeah. this side? Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Very bold to, to, to find that question as well. Like, inspired. I have a couple more questions for you. Um, one is about, and this stems from your book about portfolio careers mm -hmm. how do you find balance in life how do people find balance when they feel that you know they're just spending time on one thing or one career uh, and they're neglecting other areas of their life like their family like their health how can people restore balance and actually spend time doing more of the things they love or a variety of yeah, it is for, for many people that's one of the biggest challenges in their life. Well, let me first answer that by saying I don't like the term work-life balance. And why? Because basically you tell me whose life is really in balance. I don't know anybody who's got a perfect balance. And most people don't want that anyway. I once worked with a client who very proudly boasted he was running his own business and he wanted some coaching to help him sort of work through his business and you know work better and so on and he proudly boasted that you know he was a workaholic basically and I can't remember how we got onto it but I said well you know how, how much holiday a year do you take he said I don't go on holidays I said what do you mean you don't go on holidays he said no I don't take holidays I said what about your wife Oh, she goes on holidays with her friends. I stay at home and run the business. And I thought, well, that's fine if that's what you want to do. So his work-life balance was like work-life, <laughs> you know, 90% work, 10% life. And, and some people want that. Some people want it the other way around. So I like to talk about having what I call a blended working lifestyle. Yeah, and you create the blend that you want so it's a mix of work of well-being and i think more and more important people are realizing the importance of that maybe obviously family and friends sport holidays and in my case um wife and i love our holidays but we love to have adventures so that's really important to us that's all part of our blended working lifestyle but again in the book so chapter two i think it is 
an exercise I do very early on when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with clients is the classic wheel of life exercise. And you start to hone it on different areas of people's life. And it's frightening for some people. The most extreme example I remember is working with a, a, a very senior career professional in, in, in the health sector. And when we did the wheel of life with them, it basically scoring it one to 10, one low, 10 high on different aspects, career being one, things like uh, family, fun, on different categories. And when it came to fun, they actually said to me, can I score naught? And I looked very quizzically like you did there, Matt. And I thought, are you serious? And they said, I don't really have much fun in my life because most of my life's about work. And I said, well, that's awful. You know, you, this clearly needs to be addressed. What are you going to do about it? And it was bizarre. And again, one of the most simple things, and, I, and I've relayed this to so many clients over the years, Matt, they said, well, we moved to this village in the UK a number of years ago, and about 100 yards down the road from us, there's a pub. We've never actually set foot inside that pub, but aside of that, on a, uh, on a Sunday night, they have a quiz night. And we've always thought, you know, wouldn't it be nice to go along and that would be a bit of fun, and uh, I'm sure it would be very interesting, and, you know, people probably uh, have a good laugh and a good social night and so on. So she said, from, you know, I, I asked uh, for a few action points from that exercise and they said, I commit that my husband and I are going to go to that pub, we're going to check it out, and we're going to go to the quiz night and, and see, you know, what it's all about. And they enjoyed it so much, Matt, that they then based their whole week around Sunday night at the quiz night at the pub. That was the priority of the week. Everything else had to fit around that. So in terms of your question about balance or a blended working lifestyle, as I like to call it, I think that's the key. You have to be disciplined or self-disciplined and say, right, these are the important things in my life, in which case I've got to make them happen. Where can people find out more about you and, and contact you about coaching and all of the other stuff you're you're doing steve well the best call, call is my website steve preston the career catalyst.com and that covers everything about my coaching services my books my career and personal development products blog and so on my linkedin profile where um i i share very much about having two hats, the company brand and, and Steve Preston, the career catalyst personal brand. Twitter at Steve M. Preston. I'm on Insta. I can't think what it is. <laughs> I think it's, a, I think it's a, the career catalyst. So they're the key, key ways. Awesome. Awesome. My final question, Steve. So this show is called Burn From Within, and it's all about creating a life of passion, purpose, and balance. If you think about all of those elements in your life, what's the one thing that you've done or the one thing that's made the biggest difference to being able to burn from within? Wow, that's an interesting question. The one thing I've done, well, I suppose, I, I suppose it's right back to the beginning. It's about 
embracing personal development so that I realize that the most important thing to me is being the best person I can be. And, you know, it's not about status. It's not about wealth. It's really about being true to myself so I can make a difference to the lives of others. Does that make sense? Completely, completely. And I think you know, a lot of people will resonate with, with that value, like making a difference to the world. And, and you are, you know, you're the work that you do, the, the clear process that you give people to get out of what is, you know, tricky times and, and mentally challenging causes health scares and uh, things like that. If it's not dealt with correctly, you know, you are making a huge difference. So thank you so much or sharing your wisdom, your insight, your personal journey, and the journey of your clients. And yeah, I'd encourage everyone to contact Steve, connect with him on social media, and 100% read his books. And uh, thank you for your time today, Steve. It's been oh, thank, thank inspirational. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Listen, if you want to change your career, but you don't know where to start, you might like some professional support. As a certified career transition coach, I use the Firework Career Coaching Program, proven over the last 14 years to help thousands of people with their career transitions. To get a sense of if I'm the right coach for you, start by downloading my free workbook, which will give you clarity on where you are And my guided visualization creates an experience so you feel what it's like to live with passion, purpose, and balance and burn from within. You'll use your unconscious mind to come up with the next step of your career change journey yourself. And I'm happy to then have a free 20 minute call with you to discuss this and some options you can take from there. Just visit burnfromwithin.com forward slash experience.